welcome to Deeply Curious. My name is Cody Jensen, and joining me in our New York City studio apartment is my wife, Sarah. Hello. In this podcast, we're going to explore the defining decade, Mm -hmm. the decade between being 19 and 30, (laughs) also known as our 20s. Yes. But before we jump into that, just want to say a huge thank you to our sponsor, Hint. Hint is a water company that makes still and sparkling versions of their Hintly flavored water. Mm -hmm. It's so good. And so good for you because it's literally just water. No sugars, no added sweeteners. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. But it's good. Yeah. If you're bored with this regular old water, grab yourself a hint so you can stay hydrated. Yes. But not uh, feel stifled of the of the boredom of, of regular old water. Yes, because regular water is boring. It can be. can be. So uh, I would recommend the Hint Fizz Peach. It's my number one favorite of all time. We have like five or six flavors in the fridge right now of of the fizz. And like every time I grab one, I don't grab a peach because I'm like, <laughs> but I want to make sure I save those. Special occasions. Yes. <laughs> so I'm like drinking all the other flavors to make sure that the last one I have is a hint. Fizz peach. Mm-hmm. If you want to try out, I guess, if you want to taste, if you want to check out Hint. You can do that by going to hint.co slash deeply curious. Okay. The defining decade. The 20s. The defining decade. The decade that we are in currently in our lives. Yes. So the defining decade is a book by Meg Jay, and it's all about your 20s. And basically she's like a, she's a psychologist, PhD, helps people in their 20s. Um, You know the saying... Um, 30 is the new 20, um, is what everybody says Mm -hmm. that like, you don't do any, we're doing things later in life, blah, blah, blah. She says that's not the case. Like the twenties are one of the most important decades in like building your life and like not putting things off until you're 30. And so she just goes into, I think there's three, there's three sections in the book work, love, and then mind and body. Mm -hmm. Um, And she just kind of talks about like the major hangups. I guess so. Yeah. The major things in each of those areas and like what you should be doing to mature in them, I guess for, I don't lack of a better word. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think well, the one that like intrigues me the most is work because I feel like that's just like I, I kind of obviously know where I stand on love because, you know, we're married. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then like mind and body, I, obviously, I guess you you always work on mind and body, mm-hmm. but um, work itself, like I've always struggled because like I don't want work to be my entire life. But I also want to do cool things and be successful and blah, blah, blah. So I feel like she has a lot of insight on work things, which I feel like we're going to talk about more of today. Yeah. I mean, I think like, I, I feel like those are the things that stuck out the most to me whenever I read this book, um, because it really pointed out the collective flaw in the millennial generation. Yeah, there's Things we do really well, but there's a few that we're so bad at. Yeah, and if you have listened to 
Deeply Curious uh, since the beginning. Mm -hmm. You've probably heard us actually mention this a couple times. Um, But one of the biggest things with the millennial generation, those of us that are entering in our 20s now, most millennials are even starting to hit 30. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it applies to... Anybody. Um, yeah, it applies to anybody, but I think it also applies to the next generation of Gen Z I agree. Um, as well. And that is just the fact that we are stifled by choice. We have decision paralysis. Yes, we do. Because I think part of the root of it is that for some, because whatever the, the time that we were raised in, mm-hmm. our parents raised us with the mentality of you can do anything you want. Yeah. You can be anything you want. And because we grew up with that, we now uh, entering into adulthood and into this defining decade of of 20s where like you're trying to figure out who you are, starting your career and all that type of stuff. You, it's decision paralysis Mm -hmm. because you're like, I can do anything I want. So I don't know what to actually do. Right. And I think um, for a lot of us, it's like, we're scared that making this decision means we just gave up, you know, the 99 other decisions, um, at least for me. Right. And so it holds me back from actually making a decision because yeah. FOMO. Really. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, FOMO, the fear of missing out is a millennial crutch. Mm-hmm. And um, it is something that a lot of us like in this generation, we tend to trade doing something for doing nothing waiting on something better right like we think waiting is going to open up more options or show us the right one but that's actually it's actually stifling us Mm -hmm. in like what we're able to accomplish and what we're able to do because um, well, like there's a quote in the book. It says, we think that by avoiding decisions now, we keep all of our options open for later, but not making choices is a choice all the same. And I think um, that is so key because not like deciding to wait and deciding to not make a t- decision yet is stifling you from creating or learning or whatever it is that you could be doing in that job or project or whatever you want to say like you're just kind of like screwing yourself over yeah and i I mean also something with that is i think a principle of success that Mm -hmm. i've like heard over time is along the lines of the quicker you fail yeah the quicker you succeed Mm -hmm. because the the Basically, if you try something and you fail, that's a learning opportunity. You try it, you failed, you learn from it, you course correct, or you try something else completely. And for some reason, uh, a lot of us have the fear of if we try something, that's our lifelong choice. We're stuck in it now forever. And if we fail, then we're a failure. Right. Forever. (laughs) And it's like, you know, you, you, in your, your 24, you know, whatever it is, and it's like, you have this option to... Uh, I'm just going to pick some random things like a, a dog walker yeah. um, or you have this other option to take an unpaid internship at this magazine mm-hmm. or you have the option to um, go on a, a one of those col- after college trips yeah. w- with like you your know, gap year thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're like, well, I mean, 
I don't know, the, the internship like could lead to this something that I want to dream, but it doesn't actually pay. And then, I mean, I really love dogs and I'm, I could make this much money. This, if I do this this whole summer, every single day, um, I could make this much money that I could um, do this mm-hmm. other thing that I want to do. But this trip is also like huge or whatever. It's like, but if I don't take the trip, then I might not. I don't know. Yeah. Meet my husband or something. Right. Or like if I don't take the internship, I'll never be the CEO or like, right. I don't like, I don't know if those are things we actually like, we actually f- find ourselves thinking that far ahead. And like, those are the reasons we stop doing it. But that's essentially what it is, is like thinking that not doing the right thing, you know, or, or, or uh, no, I guess it's more so assuming that there is a mm. right thing mm-hmm. instead of just doing something. Right. Yeah. There's like um, a quote in Tim Ferriss's book, The Four Hour Work Week. He talks about that. And I don't know the exact quote, but basically he's saying, like, just do something and then correct course along the way. Like, it doesn't actually matter you know, more or less what you're doing, Mm -hmm. like just do something and then you'll learn whether you're on the right path or the wrong path. And you just like switch. It's really not that complicated, but we make it so complicated because it does, it feels like your whole life. It feels like this decision is going to determine where I go in life. And I mean, maybe that's true because you do learn lessons along the way that make you who you are. But it's not the end of the world right? by any means. And no, almost no decision in life is lifelong, except for right. like getting a tattoo. Yeah. Like even that's not. Yeah, I mean, even that nowadays you can get tattoo removal. So like there's there's not very many decisions in life that, that you can't course correct yeah. as, at, at some point or immediately. Right. Like you could literally do something mm-hmm. and the next week you're like, oh, well, that wasn't as nearly as a... I, I'm not nearly as good as that as I thought it was, or not, yeah. that's not nearly as fun as I thought it was, you know, or maybe it, it takes a couple years, but now you've actually had experience mm-hmm. and you can course correct from there. Yeah. And so like, yeah, and they, the, just being per, um, paralyzed by decision, but then also the fear that every decision is, is forever. Yeah. So I think, I mean, how do you go into things... I guess you just have to shift your mindset. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's, I mean, it's easy to get caught up in, in all of that, especially when it does feel like a big life decision. Like you're deciding if you should quit your job and find a new one, or if you should move to a new city, like that's a big deal. Um, so I don't know how, how do you do that without having like decision paralysis and like mm-hmm. all of this like freak out moments i mean i think it just comes from uh, a mindset shift a learning like just learning the kind of what we're talking about yeah is just learning those things like becoming self-aware and becoming aware enough that you realize these decisions aren't actually as you know permanent mm-hmm. as they seem yeah and so it's like oh i can actually say yes to this because it it it's really only you know, yeah, going to be true. this summer. Yeah, that's like, true. and then I can decide. You know, if this leads to something better or not. And I think another lie that we tell ourselves, or that is told to us in media or whatever, is that we we hit our our prime. Yeah. In our twenties, and so that if we 
don't find that thing, if we're not at the top of our career, or if we're not, you know, at least partial way to the corner office or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, in our 20s, then we're failures. We, we failed at doing that thing. And I think that's, that is a, a detrimental lie as well, is that our prime is in our 20s. It's also really depressing to think about. Like, if you actually think about what that means, like, if that is true, that means from 30 to 80 is just a waste of our time. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you, <laughs> if, if you, if you hit your peak yeah. in your 20s, then what do you, else do you have to look forward to? Exactly. It's like, there is... And it's absurd when you consider it like that. Yeah. Like, my peak is is when I'm very first starting out. In your first third of life? No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have talked to many older people than me, mm-hmm. like, that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. And I, if I'm you know, have a relationship with that person. I, I tend to eventually ask the question of like, you know, what, what, what have your sixties been like your fifties mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and I can't even think of anybody who hasn't answered the, that question of like, this is my best decade. Yeah. Like every 30 in anybody in their thirties has always said my thirties are so much better than my twenties mm-hmm. and forties are so much better than my thirties. And I am sure that's not true for every single person, but in my experience of like, yeah, asking like, I think it seems like life just keeps getting sweeter and sweeter because you get more mature, right. more secure in who you are, and like, mm-hmm. I just, think that's a big one. Yeah. but I think that all starts in your twenties. Right. Like, I think it starts with being very intentional about what you're doing now. Like Meg J says, like your thirty thirty is not the new twenty. Like you shouldn't you know, start to get a handle on your life when you're 30. You should start that now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then every decade will be sweeter and sweeter. Right. It's like use your – the principle of that is to use your 20s to build a strong foundation mm-hmm. to move on, like, with the rest of your life. Yeah. And I think one of the pictures of of that is, is like, the course correct that you said mm-hmm. is we kind of assume – like, or we, we tell ourselves this story that, you know, we, we, we're, we're on a boat and if we choose this decision, that's going 90 degrees this way. Right. If we choose this decision, it's going 90 degrees that way. Choose that one is 90 degrees in the complete opposite direction. And if we, you know, take the boat from the harbor or whatever, it's, it's, it can never make it to the other destination. Whenever in reality... Most uh, like all those decisions are just a few fraction of degrees, yeah, like, it's like separated, and so <laughs> it's like you, in the very beginning, everything is kind of going in the same general direction, you know, but slowly drifting apart from each other, yeah. Um, and eventually, yeah, one like one of the decisions ends up in South America, and the other, you know, decision ends up in Canada, mm-hmm. but at any point in there you can course correct and go to a different direct like a different destination yeah i don't know if that helps or made sense but it just that is something i've i remember thinking about like earlier in my 20s of just like these decisions have a long trajectory right and they can be course corrected from at any yeah. point yeah it never takes like a hard left <laughs> yeah it's like you you know, every little decision ends up going somewhere really far away. You know, it's it, it, that's also this is kind of a side note a, away from what I'm talking about. But it is kind of fun to also think about, like, you know, man, if I 
if I would have made this decision like back, mm-hmm. you know, back when or whatever, back in the good old days, uh, <laughs> you know, like if I would have made a, this is that decision, like think about where I would like where I wouldn't be now or what it would be now. Like that would be weird. I wouldn't even be married to mm-hmm. you because I never would have met you because I would have been to that place. Like, yeah, it's it's funny how all those life decisions, like all those things in life, you know, Adam. happen yeah. uh, through that, which also I, and one thing that just made me ask a question is like I just said the good old days Mm -hmm. I think that counters what I just earlier said about how you know a lot of people say they're they're right this decade is like my best I think there is a group of people that look back with extreme nostalgia yeah at earlier points in their life well yeah you're good like you always have the people who miss high school you know yeah (laughs) but I mean I think that's probably because they were terrible people in high school and they were like super uh, up on the food chain. Yeah. And then they didn't actually make it anywhere in life because they didn't know how to be a decent human being. Yeah. They didn't have character building. I don't want to like put everyone in that box. No, I'm just saying but... some people. <laughs> yeah. But I think the the thing, the point is, is that your 20s can be like the one of the best decades of your life. But I just don't think... It's in the way we think it is. Right. You know, like there's something really awesome about being young and energetic and enthusiastic and like not scared of the consequences. Like, you know what I mean? Right. But I think the point is not wasting your 20s. It's not that it's a terrible decade that is tumultuous, which I mean, for a lot of people it is for 99% of people it is. Um and like you have no idea what you're doing and you're just lost and confused and whatever. But it's to take that and build on it and make it something incredible for the rest of your life. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. Like don't just sit around and like. Wish your 20s away. Right. And just be being like, I mean. But also understand it's not your life. Right. Like the 20s, 20s is not your 30s life. 30s into 20, which means like the, you know, th- this decade is continued adolescence yeah. and I can t- continue just to party all the time, exactly. do whatever I want. And, you know, life will just figure itself out later. Right. Like it, it can be a really fun decade. And I think it's a great decade for a lot of risk in like if you want to start businesses or whatever, um, because you're just a little fearless. But I think it's just important to know that whatever you do in your 20s is not the rest of your life. Right. I think so principles of the book that Meg like gets into is well I mean that's like one of the major ones is mm-hmm. is just building not, on your 20s yeah building on your 20s not letting all of the decisions lead you to making no decision which is worse off than making the wrong decision right because the, you're settling yeah yeah because the wrong decision led you to uh, education right, and led you to finding out what you actually like. And if you never try anything, you never actually know what you're good at or what you like doing. Right. And then you're just sitting around wasting your twenties away. Yeah. So just pick something, pick anything, literally, literally like, anything. Just pick something, start it. Yeah. If it doesn't work out, who cares? I mean, literally it, you, anything. You learn from it and you can try something else and you can try something else and until you find something that you want to take onto that next step. Yeah. So that's kind of like the first principle and I think the one that goes along with that one really well is the this idea of 
uh, I, I did, like an identity crisis. Um, but so in the in our twenties, mm-hmm. we tend to around twenty five specifically um, have an identity crisis. Absolutely, um, a lot of people do. Um, just really floundering, not knowing who the heck you are. What am I doing on this earth? What am I doing with my life? I need to get my stuff together, mm-hmm. like that type of thing. And one of the things that she says is instead of having an identity crisis, mm-hmm. start earning some identity capital. Right. And the thing that she talks about with identity capital and what that means is, yes, you you may not be in a point where you can um, earn actual capital or, or at a, <laughs> at a, at a place where you, you know, can, can get that next big job or whatever, but you're earning identity capital by making decisions that add to your resume of life. Essentially, right. what makes you a more seasoned person? What, what builds that resume of, of not like jobs of like worked at Starbucks, you right. know, learned managerial skills. Like it's more so, um, you know, you said yes to, like, back to that original example, like, you said yes to that college trip, and you're, like, that built identity capital because you learned how to be a team player or whatever, or you right. learned a different culture, right. and you were able to, you know, you stepped out and you risked something, mm-hmm. and you built identity capital. Right. So, in the book, um, she says, identity capital is our collection of personal assets. So, this can be things like jobs, degrees, test scores, things like that. Um, But she said it's also more personal, such as how we speak, where we're from, how we solve problems, and how we look. Identity capital is how we build ourselves bit by bit over time. Um, And then she says, most important, identity capital is what we bring to the adult marketplace. It's the currency we use to metaphorically purchase jobs and relationships and other things we want. So... It's just like learning basically your skills and like adding to that every day. Yeah. Really. And that can be by getting a job or, you know, by having a mentor who teaches you things. You know, Mm -hmm. like it doesn't have to be something that is like on your resume. Yeah. I mean, that makes me think about um, like uh, college entrance exam or uh, essays Mm -hmm. and or like if you are in a job interview you know, and, and like the person with more experience type thing. And so it's like, yeah, you can have like the best grades or yeah, you can have the best resume, but think about all of that other stuff as right. well. Like the, the, you can, you know, write in that college essay about, you know, all of this identity capital that you've earned through the course of making decisions of like starting a small business or, you know, going on a certain trip or, you know, just, I don't know, some charity work or, or right. something. Right. Um, and the same thing over with getting a job. It's like, hey, I have um, these prerequisites, um, but also I have all of this life experience that I yeah. already have, even though I'm only 24 or whatever it is. Right. It's like I've made these decisions which have allowed me to meet these people and I've learned these things and now I'm able to, I don't know, relate and creative problem solving. Yeah, creative problem solving, all this stuff. And I would assume that the person that comes in with maybe not even the best like prerequisite resume Mm -hmm. 
would get the job with that identity capital. I've actually read an article about that, I don't know, maybe six months ago, but they were talking about how employers are starting to look at characteristics of an individual, not just a resume because mm-hmm. of that. Because especially I feel like now with the millennial generation and below, like we're pretty savvy and smart and common. We have common sense for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, they were saying like skills are so easily teachable to us because right. we just innately know how to do things. We have so much information at our fingertips, but it like, it's like the character of a person is much more difficult to yeah. teach now. So they're like looking at that, um, which is cool, but also kind of, it doesn't suck, but I am not good at that because you're sort of, well, it feels to me like it's self-praising, like, oh, I'm adaptable because I can blah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, come on. Like, that's really hard for me to do. Like when we were um, discussing doing this topic for the podcast, you asked me, you were like, well, what's your identity capital? I'm like, how am I? I don't know. Like, I literally... It's so hard for me to like look at my life and me personally and be like, oh, these are good qualities that other people could benefit. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not good at that. Well, uh, so speaking of that, um, let's talk about on those two things. So decision paralysis, Mm -hmm. I think, is something that we have opposite experiences in. Yeah. Um, And then uh, and then our capital or social capital or whatever, whatever identity, identity capital. capital. Um, I think we both can share some, some things in, in our, that we've done in our twenties yeah. as well. So first just decision paralysis. Yes. I think this is a conversation we have. We had it this morning, actually. <laughs> Whenever we, cause so we, with this, it. this morning we had kind of a, one of our weekly meetings and mm-hmm. like figuring out like what days we're going to podcast, film, yeah. edit, all that type of stuff, what we're going to actually do. And so we were like making out our schedule and all that stuff. And then we started talking about uh, you and Yeah, because I was just saying career, like with, within all of that schedule of, you know, filming and editing and podcasts and everything for what we do, I need to find time to write and to film my own videos and edit my own videos and um, I don't know, somehow like build up something to – I don't know. I I literally mm-hmm. don't even know. And I was just saying that it's like really hard to figure that out. And I think what did you say? you just looked at me and you're like, I mean, just do it. Right. <laughs> because I mean, you but the, because but we I, have that conversation all the time of just yeah. you not knowing what to do. You're like, I yes. don't know if I should do this or if I should do this or if I should do this. And yes. all the time I'm like, I it doesn't matter. Just do one of them or do all of them. Just do it. Like start doing something. I know. But you've, I mean, we've I gone get, years of our, of our life with yeah. you basically asking these same questions. Yes, because I, well, it's just the millennial problem, right? But I just, and it, it's not that I'm like scared to make a decision because I'll miss out on like my real purpose because I actually know what I want to do. Like I, I have a pretty clear like end goal vision of what my life is going to look like, but it's just like every step in between there that is so, I, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know how to get there. I can, I can envision it and I'm really good at like knowing 
what my life is going to be. But, like, every tiny thing that leads up to it, like, paralyzes me. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know how to, like, not think that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, whenever I'm, like, trying to, like, I don't know, make a game plan or a strategy, I'm like, okay, but what do I need to work on first? Like, what's the big major thing that I need to, like, focus on? I, I have no idea. And, like... Sure, it's just like, well, just write it and put it out there. But then you have to like go into the whole like marketing and like, okay, how do you get people to like want to read your stuff? And like, how do you put yourself out in front of people? And like, all of that just overwhelms me like to no end. So I sort of just, I give up before I even start. Yes. I don't know. (laughs) I have no, I, I don't know. I think, and then, I mean, part of, that and all of that stuff and something I told you that like what I told you this morning mm-hmm. is just like the fact that you're even thinking through, you know, right. All of this stuff is the exact reason why you're would be able to do it because you actually know your reasonings and you know the things you don't want to like fall into. Right. But well and that's another thing too. Like I'm a huge I'm I'm very um conscious of the negative effects that like being online and like super present on social media can have and I don't want that for myself nor do I want to perpetuate it Mm -hmm. so I like I get stuck in like how do I you know it's a good tool and it's awesome and I, I like you meet incredible people because of it so like how do you promote the like positive side of all of that stuff without like falling into the traps so I get I get caught up in all of those questions which have no answer except for that you just have to do it in correct course along the way. Right. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> it's funny because I, I, I think I hear, well, I think even on this podcast, you have said that what? more than me. Like, yes, of just but like, mostly. Just do something in correct course along the way or like, you know, that type yes, of stuff. Yes, because I, I firmly believe it and I know it's true, but that doesn't mean I'm, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. I believe in you. <laughs> But I do, I do think that that is that's the solution to most any problem that anybody runs into. Like, you should think about it and consider your options. Absolutely, but ultimately, the answer is just to do something. Mm-hmm. So, like, I I don't condone like making quick judgments and snap decisions because I I don't think that's smart. <laughs> Yeah, you should think through it. You you should think through it. I just think I kind of get caught up in the thinking sometimes. Yeah. And I have sometimes have trouble doing the doing. Right. <laughs> it's like I I fall in the middle of there. Like because there's some personalities that are have lean more towards the propensity of just like the moment they have a thought doing it. Right. Um and then there's like I think like on your end of the spectrum well, actually, I am capable of both if I'm in a healthy spot. So are you unhealthy? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> My whole life I've been unhealthy. <laughs> but it is, I, I do lean toward thinking and considering options. But whenever I'm like in a good mental space, I have the capability of employing both. Yeah. And I, but what I'm, back to what I was saying though, is like there are people maybe like you or even yeah. farther than like that get 
so caught up in just the thinking about doing things and planning and like mm-hmm. all this stuff that they actually forget to do it. Yeah. And I think we should all like be working towards somewhere in the middle of that. I agree. Um, and like thinking through it Mm -hmm. to make sure it's not idiotic. Right. Um, but you know, a little bit of idiocy, idiocy. Yeah. Something. I think idiocy. Um, you know, might be, it's not a bad thing necessarily. I mean, there's a reason that so many people who have become successful are like, I mean, I'm not condoning right. that you lie and say that you know Photoshop when you don't, but I did, yeah. and now I'm the creative director of whatever. Yeah. Or, or like, like, I, don't, I don't condone like moving and putting everything on a credit card, but yeah. that's what I did. You know, there's a reason that mm-hmm. that's a common it's story. Like you, there is risk in like big things. Although I just want to like put out a disclaimer that I don't actually condone moving on a credit card. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we did not do that, um, but but yeah. there, there's a reason. That but I've heard that story of like many like like because, entrepreneurs and stuff. Yeah, because you give yourself no options but to succeed, and right. I think that kind of lights a fire under because you have to. Mm-hmm. It lights a fire. It's either you know find a way to make money or fail and <laughs> you know run back home. Like yeah, nobody wants to do that. But yeah, but what I was saying is like. So I, I feel like I'm I'm somewhere in the middle of that I, yeah, I of agree. like I think about things but I don't let the thinking about it normally stop me from doing it right um, after I analyze it uh, or I I I'd make the decision not to do it right um, I don't just I I rarely sit in the middle of of just like uh maybe I'll do it yeah it's it's more like I make a decision of like yes or no right um. Which I, that reminds me of just how prevalent the indecision of our generation is in the fact that even Facebook, if you get invited to an event, they not they very clearly give you the option of maybe. Mm-hmm. And most people click the maybe because you, I mean, something better might come along. It's true. You don't know what you might be doing, you know, in four days. It's true. And somebody might invite you to something cooler. Now, I have been... In that aspect, pretty good at making a decision. I never click the maybe. Because I would hate for everyone to click the maybe to me. Like, I can I can see the, mm-hmm. like, how it would affect me. And so I always click yes or no. Because when you're planning a party of some sort, you have to have, like, enough food, enough... It's, yeah. like, stressful. It's like you have 10 people that said yes, 49 that said maybe, right. and 3 that said no. And you're like, okay, so do I get food for the 10... Or do I get food for the 60? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so in that case, I'm pretty good. I'm I'm very easily, like, don't have, like, the um, decision paralysis of, well, maybe something better will come along. Yeah. Because that's just not a nice thing to do to people. <laughs> but whenever it's myself, I'm at such a good self-sabotager, I think, is the problem. Sure. It's, like, the easiest thing in the world. It comes so natural to me. Yeah. But I do think I think we should talk about identity capital because mm-hmm. I feel like that is maybe a little more difficult for people to identify, or at least I have a difficult time identifying like mm-hmm. it because it's kind of the curse of knowledge. We've been right. talking about that a lot recently, like um, just the the things that you know that come so natural to you, somebody else has no clue about, right. and it's it's the curse of knowledge. 
where like you can add value there, but right. it's just you don't see it. Yeah, the act the, the curse of knowledge is knowing something so well that you can't even imagine or fathom knowing what it's like to not know what you know. Right. And so you go about your day and your life like knowing something so much that you can't even imagine what it's like to not know that thing. And so you speak and do things in a way that other people can't even, they don't understand at all. Right. Because because they don't even know the how where to begin with what you know. Right. And you don't even know where to start with what you know because you know it so well. Right. And so... With- you, you miss out on a lot of, I feel like, opportunities, not just like for money, but... Um, but like for education and, and just like building who you are and like helping other people because it's just so natural to you that you don't even see the, the opening, Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like that's kind of like identity capital. Like it's hard to identify in yourself what you offer that's better or different or, you know, excels. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? Do you have any ideas on like how you do it yeah or like like just how what kind of like mental shift you have to make because i think it's a mental shift of like looking at everything that you do in a different way right yeah i mean i think that i suffer from the curse of knowledge in in a lot of that Mm -hmm. um just be just because that some of this type of stuff is so innate Mm -hmm. in me that i don't even like, like with even with decision paralysis, it's almost like, you know, I tell you all the time, just do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't even understand what it's like to be in your shoes. Right. Of not being able, of like thinking about all these things and like not, never doing anything yeah. because of not, no, like, right. because there's so much and like, then, you know, what we're talking about, like, like, it's hard for me to even imagine what that's like because that's so opposite of just who I naturally am. Mm-hmm. I just, whenever I just do something. Mm-hmm. And so, like, my, my advice is just do it. And you're like, well, how? Right. I'm like, I mean, I don't even know if there is a how. It's literally just not thinking that hard and just doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so, yeah. it's like thinking about uh, the, the cap, the identity capital. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. Y- you would need as far as like a mind shift um, or like a mindset like change or whatever. Um, well, I, I guess just like how do you recognize things as identity capital instead of just like a okay, thing so, you did? Um, I, I know that one thing that I, I do in, in that is I think about what is the better story. My life is, you know, a novel. My life is a story. And if I'm in the moment, I'm like, okay. So actually, here's a here's an amazing example. Um, just a few months ago, I was DM'd on Instagram mm-hmm. by the team um, who runs social media and for Dennis Rodman, and they're like, "Hey, can you come film tomorrow? Can you come film Dennis Rodman all day long yeah. um, for a vlog that we're trying to make?" Um, and they offered me very little money, um, and it was like. The first offer was so little that I did say no. It was um, like kind of an LOL. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then they came back with still not very good, um, but enough that I was that in that moment, it was like, okay, it's not, it's still not very much money, but what would be a better story mm-hmm. for my life? Saying no and sitting at home tomorrow editing um, or going and spending 
the entire day with a uh, NBA all-star or whatever he is like, you know, or an NBA player that everybody knows, you know, Dennis Rodman, um, and having the story that I can tell for the rest of my life. Right. And it adds to my personal identity, uh, equity, um, capital. capital, um, because now I have that experience. Like that's like, that's like a small, like little P, you know, that's just like adding a small deposit into that bank. Um, but now in situations where, you know, I'm talking to people and we're like, you know, shooting the breeze or whatever, it's like, I always have this thing, like this, this piece of uh, identity capital I can, I can pull out of the bank and, and tell people Mm -hmm. and one gives me credibility Right. Um, so let, let's talk like professionally. Yeah. If I'm talking to somebody about a job situation or maybe they would maybe hire me or whatever. And in this conversation, I can say that I have been, you know, a, a filmer or I've made a film or something. I don't know. I have like done work for Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Like that gives me a little bit of credibility in the, mm-hmm. sp- in the space. Yeah. Um, and so. I guess to, uh, my, what I'm doing is I'm answering the question of the mindset. Right. And so my mindset, I've, I feel like I've been like this for a long time of just always thinking about the better story. Ultimately, when this is done, mm-hmm. what's the better story? Right. Because some things I, I can be really logical. I can be very like realist and some things I just, the, the, the logic behind it is like, eh, I mean, it's not enough money to be worth an, an entire day, but it's a way better story. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you right. just, you just kind of like, just do those things. I think looking at everything like, okay, what is this going to add to my life um, is really good instead of just kind of being on autopilot. I feel like maybe that's a little bit of my problem. Like I know that things are going to teach me th- something or like, I very much can see that in like traveling or even in like a job or a project that I say yes to like, well, even if whatever, it'll teach me something. But looking at that as identity capital is really hard for me. Like I can't look at a past job and be like, oh, this is what skills it gave me. That's really difficult for me to put into words. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe like paying attention like in the moment is important. But I also feel like finding people who are really close to you who can speak into your life from an outside perspective with fresh eyes Mm -hmm. has always been really beneficial to me. So like if I'm having trouble specifically with like resumes, cover letters, like proposals, whatever, I usually like email my friend like, hey, can you like, this is what I need to explain. Can you help me like find words for it? Because Mm -hmm. speaking about myself is I'm not good at it. Like, I'm not good at being like, I'm adaptable and a great learner and blah, blah, blah. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just so unnatural to me. It feels so fake. And so it's always been helpful to have uh, like a friend or two who speaks into that and can point out specific characteristics. Yeah. What do you think looking, not not looking from somebody else's perspective, but Mm -hmm. looking at your life, just what do you think are some things you've done in through your 20s that have added to your identity capital? Well, see, this is really hard for me to to pick anything. I mean, I can pick a few obvious ones, like um, like moving. not uh, Moving to Tulsa and moving to New York, I mm-hmm. feel like we're, are obvious answers. Um, and then I feel like 
whenever I quit my full-time job. I didn't really have any plans. So I don't know if it's identity capital necessarily, but it taught me a lot of things and like gave me the space to, I don't know, like believe that I could make it without working a job that I hate. Um, so I don't know if that's identity capital, but it was like a huge learning Mm -hmm. curve for me. And then I think like, as far as, I don't know, I guess career, um, taking an unpaid magazine internship, um, was a big one and taught me a lot and like about editing and writing and Mm -hmm. like deadlines and whatever. Um, and also added to your resume in, in the way that whenever you know, you speak about your writing, even though it was like an unpaid internship at a small magazine, you now can with, I mean, without lying, like you can say, like, I've written for a magazine. I'm published. I'm published, like, and things like that. And that also opened the door for you to write some articles for a few other small magazines. Right. And so you have written for magazines. Right. Plural. But the, um, the problem for me is, like, it just, it, fe- it doesn't feel, like, credible. I think that more stems from your insecurity than mm. it actually not being credible. Okay. Maybe, but maybe I, but that's, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, it's hard. Like I can pick out some major like identity capital things, but like, I know that there are so many other things that I've done that have added capital, but I, I can't think of them. Like, I don't, I don't know how to like pinpoint like, oh, this experience gave me this, Mm -hmm. you know, but those I think are like the few major ones. I mean, you definitely, moving to Tulsa, um, I mean, almost directly out of high school, moving away from family. Um, Huge growing up experience. And then helping start a church Mm -hmm. um, and then staying a part of that community and, you know, diving deep into that community for eight years. Right. I think is a huge, like, um, identity capital because it you have so many things you learn through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, let's say even in that vein, like I've never thought about like the things that I've done as um, a volunteer. I've never considered that as added value in like my professional work, which mm-hmm. is crazy because I know how to do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. You know, but like I just, I don't naturally think of things that way. And I don't know if it's like the curse of knowledge just because it's, you know, what you do and it's easy and it's natural or if it's like a shift in your mindset. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard for me though. But I do I think that like learning how to look at every experience you have as like what is this giving me? Even if it's a learning opportunity, even if it's not positive or like a right. skill, if it's like a growth opportunity is still identity capital, I think. Mhm. But I just, it's just like learning how to look at it that way. I think that those negative experiences can sometimes add even more identity capital um, than than something that may be like overly positive because that's, you know, maybe like where I was mentioning earlier, maybe you tried something and you failed. Well, now you have all of that learning process that you went through that Mm -hmm. and you can use that to your advantage now because now... One, you have knowledge of what doesn't work in certain scenario, but you also 
learned uh, how to fail, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully, um, or how to like, ch- you know, to change trajectory. You Take like criticism, whatever. It doesn't. I guess it doesn't even need to. It doesn't matter how specific I get, but you, yeah. you, you through that failure, you learned things. Right. And now that is part of your identity capital in that whenever you are having these conversations and you are talking to other people that could possibly be somebody who helps you in your career or get you a job or whatever, mm-hmm. you can speak out of those experiences. Be like, yeah, I actually tried this thing and, you know, I, I because I did this or because the market was this way, you know, it, it didn't work out the way that I had planned, but I learned that A, B, and C. Right. And it's like... If you bring that identity capital into an experience as, you know, a 20-year-old, you're going to have so much more credibility. Yeah. Yeah. That takes confidence, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just joking. Only a little. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so another point that I think is really cool that she makes in the book is – weak ties is what she calls them and your social tribe so your social tribe is you know like-minded people same age same maybe like life phase or Mm -hmm. whatever um who are going to like you know agree with you and bring you food when you're sick and like friends like your social tribe um but then she talks about weak ties and how weak ties are actually usually where all of the like career opportunities mm-hmm. come from it's like a friend of a friend of a friend knows this guy uh kind of situation right. uh, which i think is really fascinating and so i kind of want to talk about that yeah and i think making um i so the point is we can get like hyper focused and like just focus on the this like our tribe, our core group, Mm -hmm. and be so entrenched in these, uh, you know, centered, like your core relationship, which is very important. Right. We're not Um, diminishing close relationships by Um, any means. Like given the choice of having a bunch of weak ties or like a core group of people, like I'm going to choose core group people every day, but... But that's not really the the point of you're not really choosing between the two. I'm just right. like get, yeah, throwing that out there. Like, yeah, I mean, don't give up your core people. Right, like yeah. that is very very important. The relationships matter. Yeah, you know, more than anything. Right, love harder. Don't just use people either. I think yes. that's yeah, people obvious. over product. Yeah, that type of thing. Just sorry. throwing out all our values. Right. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> um, sorry, I got off on a little bit of a love tangent. Um, anyways, but. You you have this your core group of people, and if you never look outside of that core group of people, um, then then you may miss out on tons of opportunity from these from these you know weak ties, these friends of a friend type situations. Um, and the so the principle of this is to get outside of that core group mm-hmm. and. And email somebody, call somebody, right. ask somebody, post on social media, like to help you, you know, find something. Mm-hmm. Um, because typically that is where these connections are, are made through getting a new job or whatever. If you think about it, like it's it's normally not through, you know, your your closest friends who are like, oh, there's an opening, you know, at my place. But they know somebody. They're like, oh, yeah, one of my 
I don't know, call, my college roommate, um, mm-hmm. you know, said that he, his company is hiring. I'll give you his email and you give him his email and like it happens that way. And that's the weak ties like. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. So there's a quote in the book where she says, um, some are in almost contact almost constant contact with the same few people but while the urban tribe helps us survive it does not help us thrive the urban tribe may bring us soup when we're sick but it is the people we hardly know those who never make it into our tribe who will swiftly and dramatically change our lives for the better Mm -hmm. um and it's kind of true when you think back on your life and like the opportunities you've had most of them come because somebody knew somebody right you know it's fascinating because I don't really think like that. I put a lot of emphasis on my people and like I very much care about like, you know, just making sure and maintaining and thriving in those relationships. Um, and it's but it's true. Like I can even look back and see, see how like, oh, this person who sort of knew that I did this thing called me because their friend needed something, you know, mm-hmm. Um, and those are where like most of the like opportunities come from. It's not to say that they can't come from your tribe because they definitely can. Um, I've had a few of those too. Um, like in fact, the magazine internship that I did came from a close friend, um, who asked if I could collaborate with her on an article. And then that led to me meeting the founder and blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. It does happen, but I think the majority of the time it's weak ties. Yeah. And I think, like, it can be hard to kind of think about the practical application of that, um, but maybe in here. Uh, yeah, like, I think it's a kind of organic, right? Right. But I think here, I thought of, like, maybe something that can paint a picture of that mm-hmm. is saying yes to those people who reach out and, like, hey, do you want to meet up for coffee? Yeah. Um. Because some, a lot of those are so hard to be like, I mean, I barely know this person. Yeah. Like, it's so like, why do I want to like give my time? You know, it's like, what, what am I, it's like, you, you think about like, I'm not going to become best friends with this person. Like, I would rather just continue building this relationship, you know, that I've already been building instead of like meeting with coffee or whatever. Um, and so it's like, sometimes it's, you know saying yes to those things can lead to stuff that you never thought of or you never thought would be possible right you know or whatever and i have two prime examples of weak ties uh and it even comes into identity capital um so one specifically is like just recently a a a weak tie that we had from tulsa um, was coming through New York and was like, Hey, do you guys want to like go for breakfast? And I was like, sure. Like, let's do it. Um, we've, um, hung out like once before. So it's like, we didn't really know each other, um, necessarily, but it's like, we're in similar fields and you know, from Tulsa, why not? And we can mm-hmm. just like hang out. Um, no, like, you know, no thought of anything other than just like hanging out. Right show up, start talking, start talking about like what we're doing and jobs and everything like that. And that led to us now, um, doing a job together in a month. Yeah. And it's like, that was in no way, you know, either one of us thought, you know, that that was where that was going to lead. It was literally, we kind of know each other. I'm in this, I'm in the city you live in now. Let's like meet up. Like, okay. I said, yes. And now, you know, I'm going to do this job, which maybe that job could lead to something more, um, right. you know, that, that it, it happens. I don't 
you know, you just never know. Right. Um, so that's an example of like a weak tie connection mm-hmm. um, in, in the sense of what she's talking about, that like so many opportunities, the things that that dramatically shift and change our life typically can come from those weak ties. And um, my other example brings in identity capital into it as well. And that is the fact that just two months ago, a weak tie that I had from Tulsa again. Um, uh, so we're connected to these people who went to or University. Mm-hmm. And so um, through, you know, we, now, we're, now we live in New York. We had these connections. One of those people ended up getting a job at ORU, and he was a part of a department that was looking to have a video made for their department. Um, they had hired a guy, and it that fell through, and he was like, man, who could, you know, do this? And he, like, you know, remembered me, and, you know, one of his weak connections contacted me. He was like, hey, I, this is way last minute, but can you next month... Mm-hmm. go to Africa for two weeks and film this video. Um, by the way, you're not going to make very much money. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they didn't have a very big budget for it. Right. Um, and so in that moment, it's like one, the, the weak connection thing, the weak connection got me the opportunity. Then I sat there and I talked to you about it and just thinking about, um, not in these terms that we talk about it, but the identity capital of this decision. Right. If I go do this, I'm barely, I'm not going to make hardly any money off of doing this. Right. But my, one of my best friends is going to be in the same place. So one, I like, I get to go and hang out with my friend in Africa. So that's awesome. Uh, two, this, what story am I going to be able to tell right. through this? What, um, and, you know, am I going to be able to provide through the, like, what, yeah, just well, what I mean, story is like going to come, like, that I'm going to be able to tell through that. And because of doing that, one, I, I got, you know, I had a lot of fun doing it. Mm-hmm. I um, did, I shot some of the best stuff I've ever shot in my life. Um, I made the video for them, which like they absolutely loved. And that's now part of my resume. Mm-hmm. And then two, I made a short documentary about the community that I had worked in for eight days to be able to put on my YouTube channel, which is not something that's going to be like, you know, go viral and like, you know, it it makes me a bunch of, you know, YouTube monies, but that's not the point. Mm -hmm. The point is that me doing that and putting it out there now adds to my identity capital in that I'm doing this not because I'm like looking and chasing after all these views because if I wanted that, I would have sensationalized the whole thing. But I want to tell the accurate and beautiful story of this community through a short documentary so that now, I one, I've made a short documentary that mm-hmm. I'm very proud of and maybe a weak connection will see that short documentary, see that I have this uh, equity, this mm-hmm. uh, social capital. Abilities. Uh, you know, abilities and things like that and lead to something larger for me to be able to do something like that again that has a bigger budget, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So it's it's that decision paralysis could have been involved in all of that to be like, oh, crap, okay, this is a month away. I'm not really going to make money. I, you know, maybe I'm insecure about going to Africa and, like, being in, in this right. country, in this place that I, I don't know anybody. I don't know what it's like to be there and, like, thinking about all these things that could be, what am I going to miss out if I'm gone? Like, 
all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But instead, choosing the identity capital, choosing the better story to live. Yeah, I think, I mean, maybe it all comes down to that. It's just like looking at your options or looking at your opportunities and just saying which is better, which is a better story. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe it's that simple. I also think though, it could be just saying yes more. I do think that like, I, I understand like saying, I understand the argument of saying no and like valuing your time and things like that. It's a valid argument, but I think that we should consider what our no's mean. Yeah, I think, I almost think though, that I think saying no, you need to know, you need to know when to say no. Yeah, it's like intuition. Um, But I think that in our 20s, I feel like maybe sometimes we get arrogant Mm -hmm. and we think that we can take these life principles of you know, the thirties, the forties, the 50 year olds that we hear this stuff about, you know, how they, they have reached a point in their life where, you know, that because of the career and and the relationships that they have with their family and everything Mm -hmm. like that, they have had now to learn how to say no, right? because whenever they say yes to something, saying yes to, uh, this thing, means that I'm actually saying no to time with my family or saying no to this project that I'm working on because there's no more, you know, no, there's not a whole lot of margin in time, you know, in their life anymore. Yeah. Well, when we're in our twenties and we have sometimes, I mean, not, not, this isn't everybody's story, but a lot of 20 year olds have an abundance of, we have lots of time. Of time. <laughs> um, and so it's like, I, th- I think sometimes we can be arrogant in, in like saying like, well, I say no because I need to protect like, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, whatever it yeah. is. And not, and that's not to undermine that principle at all because I think right. it's very important. Yeah. But I think in our 20s, we just have so much of this time that we may in the future not have as much of. Yeah. And so saying yes to two things more, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think... Like you kind of said, like you need to know when it's right to say no. <clears throat> like you have to, I think it's like intuition, right? I I feel like most of us can feel when a situation is like good or bad or something that we should be doing or not be doing or, you know, whatever, saying yes or saying no. I I think most of the time you have like a gut feeling about it. And then when you start thinking too much is when you start questioning all of that. But for the most part, saying yes, specifically saying yes to people has never been bad for mm-hmm. me. Like if somebody asks to go get lunch or whatever, like something like that, or if they ask if I can help them like package something at their business, like whatever it is, like saying yes to people has never ended poorly for me. Yeah. I think that's important to remember too. Yeah, especially if you have the intuition i guess maybe the right word of not letting yourself being taken advantage of right you know because there could be some people who over ask oh absolutely um you know and and never reciprocate or compensate or whatever and that's happened too and you you know right cross that bridge whenever it comes you're like hey look but specifically about weak connections like if it is weak connection they're not really taking advantage of you because you're not like you're not asking all the time but yes yeah I, I agree. Like saying yes to people is, is sometimes the hardest mm-hmm. because you, you just, 
I don't know. Meeting new people is awkward. Yeah. And you just, yeah. There's all of, all of that insecurity that comes with all of that. And, and it could be nothing against, like, meeting people is awkward or whatever. Like, you just could be comfortable oh, and, yeah. like, happy, like, where you are. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean you should always stay there. It's like, if I say yes to that, that means I'm going to have to, like, get up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or even like just welcoming people into your life. Not mm-hmm. in a meet, not, I don't want that to sound like you're being exclusive, but I mean, it's true. Like you have your people and like you're fine with that. Right. Mm-hmm. And like saying yes to this lunch or coffee could mean that they want to do this on a regular basis. And then I have to like figure out how to, you know, like right. there's that whole comfortability that, or uncomfortability that comes with it. Right. And I think also putting yourself out there. That comes, uh, that made me think. I think that also plays into a problem that I feel like the millennial generation generally has as well is not being able to be direct. Um, oh yeah, and not be, so bad conflict is what I is what I mean. Yeah. Like because let's say the reason that we may not want to meet with this person one time is because we feel like they're going to want to be best friends and we're going to have to turn them down in the future, mm-hmm. and so. That no, you know, or cre- suffer through right. so many coffee days right. that you don't want. <laughs> Creating this worst case scenario, yeah, um, of having to deal with this conflict makes us say no to the first initial meeting, right? And it's like, you like, yeah, you have no idea what's that, actually. Gonna I, we could probably have, we could definitely have an entire other show about avoiding conflict for sure. Yeah, um, but yes, um, continue. I just kind of want to like into the podcast with this quote because I I just really like it. Um, She said, sometimes making choices feels like planning for my life in a way that seems boring. Sometimes making choices to pursue things that seem like good fits or that match my interests seems boring simply because it makes sense. I find myself wanting to go off in an unexpected direction. Arabic, Cambodia. I know this is a sort of crazy impulse. I know that the way to live a good life is to pursue things that are not only interesting, but that make sense. And I think, um, just to remember that, like, the fact that, like, a lot of, like, the good parts of life, like, are boring, Mm -hmm. you know, like, or require really mundane tasks to achieve it, you know, like, um... I don't know. I, I always put everything into perspective of travel because it's just what I want to do. So <clears throat> like going on a trip is like leading up to that, the worst stuff ever. Like you have to like plan dates and times and airlines and packing lists and, you know, like getting extra work done extra because work, you're going to be gone. Right. It's it's not fun. You know, it's it's like very mundane, tedious, boring stuff. Um, but it's what like makes a good life. Mm-hmm. So I think like just remembering that too, that like just because, and I think especially with social media, like just because everybody else looks like they're having fun doesn't mean they're not doing the mundane, boring things too. Cause like, yeah. it's just as mundane to, you know, I don't know, be a famous Instagrammer who has to like follow algorithms and crap as it is everything else. Yeah. We've been talking about uh, this for a while. This was a little more uh, serious than the uh, last. I know, it wasn't last, quite as fun. Sorry, yeah, you guys. Too. Um, so uh, thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you got something um, out of that in the in this uh, serious conversation. Uh, mint, like, you know, got some meat out of it, some things you're thinking about. Yeah. Get a little more curious about. Um, and 
to put myself out there and maybe get a little more uh, social uh, equity capital. I keep saying equity. Identity capital. Identity capital. <laughs> okay. I, I've been like messing that up this entire time. Yes. Identity capital to, you know, throw, get myself out there, maybe earn a little bit of identity capital. Uh, announcement um, that I teased in the, in the last episode is I actually put together some uh, Deeply Curious uh, merch that mm-hmm. you can now buy. And you can do that. Uh, check it out by going to shop.codyjensen.com. There's also a link in the description. Have uh, a couple different shirt um, options and in a few different colors. Uh, they say Deeply Curious. Um, one um, that I hand-writ the... Uh, hand-wrote. Hand-wrote. Um, hand-wrote. Actually, I think hand-writ might be British-ish. That sound, I'm, I really hope that doesn't make me sound ignorant because I don't know that at all. Well, either way, I got it wrong one of the times. So, um, <laughs> you know, I took a pen and some paper and I wrote it down. Then I put it on a t-shirt. The other one is a graphic designed logo that I also did. The Deeply Curious logo, um, you can get either one of those by going to shop.codyjensen.com. Um, we would absolutely love if you uh, check that out and you are repping uh, Deeply Curious. Just letting people know, yeah. you know, I'm a Deeply Curious person. Yeah. And... I also put uh, a non-Deeply Curious uh, shirt out on there as well in a couple different um, variations. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I wrote something down and I put it on the shirt. <laughs> uh, I hand drew it. Yeah. Um, and it says, love harder. Mm-hmm. Um, if you you know didn't get that out of the podcast of why it would say love harder. Um, so, I mean, we just were, we want to constantly be um, people that are for people. Yeah. And that put people first. Positivity. And so that's, that is the brand that we want to, you know, that we are creating and have created of just like, of, of just empathy, yeah. love. And so kindness. I just want to, that to be like, you know, kind of one of our things is love harder. Yeah. Um, so if you, again, check those out, shop.codyjensen.com. Also, you can help out the show by buying the book. If you're interested in buying the defining decade, you can use the affiliate link that is in the show notes. Yeah. Last thing is a huge thank you again to our sponsor hint. If you want to check out hint water, you can do that at hint.co slash deeply curious. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next Tuesday. Bye.